Our statement of faith, this is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am a tool in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. That word alone means you folks have a little bit of excitement when you do something for the Lord. Say, I am enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Our scripture text comes from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be to God who always, somebody say always. always. Somebody shout always. always. Who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, somebody say us. When he leads us, he's expecting something from us. He says, and through us diffuses fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So we're going to see when we get to the end of this that you got something to do when you start shouting in triumph for what the Lord has done in your life. You're supposed to be spreading some kind of fragrance of his knowledge everywhere you go. The world should not be ignorant of who you follow because you are spreading a fragrance everywhere you go. Hold on to that thought for a couple weeks. Well, you may be seated. This is going to be our second sermon in this series centered around our theme, the year of great triumph. We said the Apostle Paul was a man who, after he was converted, diligently preached the gospel. And for that cause, he was severely persecuted, beaten on many occasions. I said he was left dead, in prison, shipwrecked. But he was inspired to write, Now thanks be to God who always lead us in triumph. So that means that triumph to me is some part of an attitude, a mindset. You got to have the mindset that God is going to lead you in triumph no matter what you go through in life. Your circumstance or situation shouldn't determine whether or not you're going to be triumphant. You are triumphant because of who you believe in and who you know is on your side. So, so to triumph means to gain victory, success, or achievement. Second definition, to overcome or prevail. And then the third one we use is to rejoice or celebrate over a victory. So normally we said that, you know, triumph is something that you experience, but it is also something that you express. Amen. We experience certain victories in our lives. We get a promotion. We win that award. That's the experience. But after you got it, you got to celebrate. Amen. You know, I remember when I got promoted to master sergeant, you know, senior master sergeant. Every time we got promoted, the experience was going through the test, taking the test. But after the results came out and we got promoted, then that was a seller. So we've been promoted in the kingdom. And so therefore, we owe God that same level of... When we win something, he bring us through some things... We have to celebrate. Normally, that happens when anybody is successful in anything. That is normally a celebration. And sometimes you'll see this referred to as jubilation. That's why in some preacher, at the end of sermon, 
we try to get the members to get to a point of jubilation. We, we want the members to experience something, and then once that experience happens, we want them to express that by saying, hey, I got a revelation from God today, and now I want to show him my love by expressing it in my jubilation. So we come to church. It is not supposed to be a dead experience. Even though we come in with our challenges and our worries, our concerns, whatever, we know that we are coming to a place where we can meet someone and bring someone in with us that can help us through those times. So therefore, we always have to remember that we can experience triumph, but at the same time, we got to express it. Amen? Last week, we learned from Joshua that God gave us instructions that leads us to triumph. You know, he told us to be strong and courageous, obey his instruction manual, to, to uh, continually meditate on his word day and night. He said, then you will be prosper and you will, prosperous and you will have good success. I wonder, you know, I told you last week, this is an area I think a lot of Christians are weak in is this area of meditation because we have this stigma attached to meditation that we equate it to monks and, you know, uh, people who are doing, you know, yoga and, and, and other things. But meditation is scripture. You're supposed to sit down, clear your mind, think on the things of God, and mutter some stuff that you are thinking from this word. And the Bible tells us day and once you meditate on something long enough, it'll become part of you. So therefore, when it's time for you to carry out a certain act, you will act on what you've been meditating. We got to get better in that area of meditation. We saw that Joshua, in chapter 6 of Joshua, we learned that faith is required to triumph. In other words, God gave Joshua this weird plan that he was going to conquer this city by just marching around it and then shout. And the wall was going to fall down. It takes faith to do that when you're a commander and know how war is supposed to be waged. And we close with Psalms 42, 1 and 2, where we saw that celebration is, is the result of triumph. And that's why we clap our hands and shout with the voice of... Now today, I want you to understand this. And we're going to subtopic today's message, walking in spiritual triumph. Walking in spiritual triumph. Now, first turn, go to the book of Luke chapter 10. And what I want you to hold on to this to point is that you triumph in Jesus' Jesus's authority. The authority that you have and that you use to obtain victories in your life is not yours. It is something that has been delegated to you. And so, therefore, when you operate in delegated authority, you always acknowledge the one who gave you the authority. So now look, when we look at this, we're going to see that Jesus has sent out 70 disciples in pairs, so a pair of 30, 35 groups. And he sent them into town and places that he was going to be traveling to in order to prepare the people for him when he came through. But he knew that that was going to be a dangerous mission because he knew that whenever you start talking about him and the gospel, that you're going to meet opposition. You're going to meet obstacles. You're going to meet enemy forces. You're going to meet forces that are controlled by the devil, him. And so what happened when they ran up on these forces, they found out that they had a authority. They found out, Brother Wilson, that they could win 
because of who they will represent. And so therefore, what you got to understand that we can triumph when we operate in Jesus' authority. The authority don't belong to us, it belongs to him. See, see, and because it belongs to him, we have been delegated it, but intrinsically it belongs to Look at this. In verse 17 of Luke chapter 10, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy. Somebody say with joy. You know, why can you return with joy if you lose? You know, I used to play football major, and I played on a team that went over in, in college. In high school, we won a lot of games. But in college, we went over. I mean, we went 0 and 11. And every time we came home, there was no shot. For a long year later, we shouted at nothing. Because we were returning losers. And what I get, got to get you to see is that when God gives you the victory over something, you ought to return with joy. Somebody ought to know that you have the victory. You have been given the victory over some things in your life, and it ought to be something that is celebrated. So they return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Man, I went out there, man, and I ran up on some stuff, and all I had to do was call on them. You weren't with me, but I had your authority. And by calling on your name, I was exercising the authority that you gave us. And guess what? Them demons obeyed me. They did what I said do. And I don't understand why today so many Christians around here running and are scared of demons and, you know, spirits. You acting like you don't have any. Uh, but if you have authority over them, you are not intimidated by spiritual forces that's in the earth. And a lot of times these spiritual forces work through people. The attitudes, their behaviors, and the things they do, the deceit that they use, and the way that they manipulate people, the demonic forces work through. But no matter who they work through, you have been given a... He said, look, the demons are subject to... in your name. That means they do what we say do. In your name. But so often, it looks like it works the other way around. And I think it's that way because people don't have the understanding of who you represent in the earth. And that's a mindset as well as a spirit on the inside. you got to buy into that. Because if you don't buy into a triumphant mentality, then you'll walk around not knowing that you, like the song say, Wayne, you already don't want something. You're going through it, but you got to know that the, the decision has already been. Then this is what Jesus said to them. Look at this. In verse 18, he said, and then I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Now, there are different readings on that. Some people say that was when God kicked him out back in Isaiah. It talks about Satan being kicked out of heaven. It don't matter if it was then or was Jesus looking prophetically and knowing that he was going to get the victory over him and he was going to. It wasn't going to be no long fight. That's the point he's trying to make. That what happens to him, it's going to happen like lightning flashing in the sky. 
You know lightning don't stay, you know. You turn your head, you miss it. So why this just, that emboldens me to know I ain't supposed to be in no long fight with the demon. This ain't supposed to be something that drag out for 30 rounds. This thing's supposed to be This thing's going to be over. And you've been dealing with it for 20 years? Then I would ask you, whose authority are you dealing with it in? Are you dealing with it in your authority? Or are you dealing with it in Jesus' authority? Because if you ain't his authority, this fight should have been. You just need to be emboldened and empowered by the spirit that's on the inside. And we're going to show you in a later lesson, the greater one is already in you. And because of that, you got to have that power and the authority to know that whatever come against me, demonic forces through people or whatever, I have the authority over them. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like, like, like lightning from heaven. And behold, I give you the authority to trample. When I think about trampling, I think about something on the ground and you stepping on it. That's how I see trample. To trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing. Somebody say nothing. Somebody shout nothing. That's one of those absolutes that they tell us not to use in education. Nothing is, you know, it's all, not like always. But he says, and shall by any means Jesus said, when you operate in my spiritual authority, Whenever spiritual forces or the evil come against you, they may come against you, but look here, you're going to win this thing. They're not going to harm you to the point where you're going to lose. And look here, you got to get, I don't want to show you, I'm, gonna get to, I'm getting ahead of myself. See, we look at things in a finite way. So we look at certain things as an ending to all. But when you start looking at things in an infinite way, you realize that there's more to life than what you see right here in this body, in this flesh. There's another side of life that you have not experienced yet. But you got to see that experience as something that God has promised you so that you can live successfully in this life. In this life. He says, now look, I'm giving you authority over the enemy. Trample on serpents and scorpions. Now, this is not telling us, Kent, to go out and start taming snakes and messing with scorpions. Now, some people may take that literally, but you know, Jesus often referred to the Pharisees and Sadducees as scorpions and, you know, serpents. What he's telling us is that, hey, there are some forces out there that can hurt you if you don't know how to deal with them. But those forces, be it coming through a people or some spiritual thing, activities in the air, look here, you got to know you got the authority. And when they come, they belong under your. We got to learn how to trample on something. And you understand, see, see what we got to understand, Wayne, there is a spiritual world out there that we are not all familiar with, but there is a spiritual side of this thing. And when you understand that, it's just like sound waves in this room. You hear my voice coming through these sound waves, but you don't see them. You don't see the wind, but you feel it, which lets you know that it exists. 
And when I'm telling you there's a spirit in this world and you got part of in you that exists whether you see it or not. And so he was telling them, you have the authority and you can trample on serpents and scorpions and over all, somebody say all, all the power of the enemy. What in that don't we understand? He didn't say some of the power, but all of the power of the enemy. So we triumph in Jesus' authority and not our authority. Now, I, I didn't put that in my text, but right after that, them boys were so happy, Jesus had to calm them down a little bit because he told them, now there's something greater that you ought to be shouting about. It's a good thing that you can beat demons, but that's a, that's a little game. It's a bigger game that you're trying to triumph in. And he said, now what you really need to be shouting about is that your name is Re- I, I see you happy because you stepped on some demons. But there's some other folk who are stepping on demons, but their name ain't real. You ought to be shouting because your name is recorded in heaven. There's a record of you recorded somewhere, and you ought to be shouting about that just as well as you getting your victory down here. That's something to shout about, that your name is re- recorded. Amen. Now look here, look here, y'all gonna have to play along with me. I'm gonna be up here to try to get some response. Look here. If you really believe your name is recorded, then I just want you to get a Lord a hand clap. If you, if you don't believe it, I don't care what you do. But if you, believe, if you believe that, that your name is recorded, if you believe, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Everything that we stand on is based upon what we believe. Once your belief system gets shaken, you're no longer going to be the person that God wants you to. So, so, I, so like Wayne was saying, we got to put a mindset and a mentality in you that no matter what you go through in life, you know that God is on your side and that you're going to be victorious in the end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to Roman. Wayne, you, you know, I, I, we didn't talk, man, but the, but the Spirit put you all over this, man. I said, now, Wayne going to get up there and preach my sermon. He, he must have knew I was going to Romans chapter 8. He, he, he must have knew. I mean, I couldn't hold myself. But I said, Wayne, don't take up all my stuff. I studied a little bit, but you about to just let it all out. But look here, I just ain't nothing wrong with that because that means that the Spirit got us on one accord because we understand through Romans that we triumph in Jesus' love. We triumph and experience spiritual victory because nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a powerful and encouraging scripture that Paul is letting us know that we are part of God's elect. And God has justified us so that we cannot be condemned because we are in Christ. He started out this chapter in this book uh, talking about being in Christ and those who are in Christ, there is therefore no condemnation. So therefore, as long as I am in Christ, I don't care what the devil bring against me, he cannot condemn me because he don't have a place to put me. And so therefore, because I know that, then I got to know that no matter what I go through, I still got the victory. 
I'm still a winner. I'm still an overcomer because I know who loved me. And I know if he died for me while I was a wretch undone, he's going to be right there fighting for me while I'm one of his. Amen. So you got to see yourself as you're a part of God's elect. God has already justified you because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now Jesus is furthermore, he's up there pleading your case because the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of authority, interceding. We're talking about spiritual things today now. See, the things I'm saying right now, your natural mind is going to have to process this and you're going to have to override it. Because unless you can look into this spiritual realm and believe that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, See, see, when you're talking to young folk, they, they can't grasp that. And then, then it's hard to win them talking about spiritual things because they see things in the natural and everything got to logically make sense to them. But if you're going to walk with the Lord, you're going to have to believe and accept something by faith and your logic going to have to be overruled by the word. Ah, I know this is going to be a tough one talking about spiritual things. So he said, look here. You know that, that, that Jesus helping us navigate our way through this earth as we're living in this human body. And I'm going to show you in a minute that this human body is not here forever. But even when that time comes, you triumph. Look at this. We triumph in Jesus' love. Verse 35 of Romans chapter 8. He says, and I'm reading this from the New Living. He says, can anything another one of them absolutes. Can anything even separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves you, Wayne, when you have trouble or you have calamity or you're persecuted or you find yourself hungry, feel like you're destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? Or does any of those things mean that he don't love you anymore? Does any of those things mean that he has turned his back on you? He has forsaken you. Why would he do that if he died for you? It would not make any sense for him to abandon you when you were going through when he died for you when you weren't even worth. Now that you're a part of his elect, why would anything that life deals you separate you from him? He's not going to leave you. The question is, will you call Will you cause your, allow your life situation to cause you to leave? Sometimes life deals us a hand, Brother JP. And if we don't know who we are rooted and grounded in, we can get that hand and we want to throw it back in and say, I'm just going to give up on this thing called. And we forget that in spite of that, Jesus still loved you. In spite of what you go through, he still loves you. Verse 36 says, as the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep, quoting the Old Testament passage there. He said, yeah, you're going to go through. He never told us that being a Christian was going to be easy. Most of his early disciples got, disciples got persecuted and a lot of them was martyrs. We live in a country where we can practice religious freely and very few of you have been martyred. You don't even probably know no one who has been martyred for Jesus' cause. And so now look at this. 
He's saying that now that we understand this and seeing that we're in this situation, we got to understand that, Wayne, you just said this. No, verse 37, despite all these things, you're more than a conqueror. The Bible, I got to say, you're overwhelming. You get an overwhelming victory is yours through Christ who loves you. In spite of all you go through, you got to still feel like you're winning. Because winning ain't about your feelings. Winning is about your mind. And you got to have it in your mind. I don't care what my feet feel like. I got to have it in my mind. I'm still going to win this thing. My mind got to be locked that, hey, my back may be hurting, but look here, at the end of the day, I'm going to win this thing. The world may be coming against me in different areas of my life, but at the end of the day, I know that I win this thing because I am more than a conqueror through him who... His love make me a conqueror, Brother Wilson. So therefore, I triumph in his... I like that overwhelming victory. You know, there's a difference between an overwhelming victory and you just barely won. You had to pull it out in the last two-minute drill. That's just one of those barely won. You almost lost that. Overwhelming is when you get to the last two minutes and you know the other team ready to throw in the towel because they know that you know they can't overcome 55 points in two minutes. They just said, just go and take a knee. Just go and let the clock run out because this thing is... Y'all got to stop fighting them close battles. Y'all been in too many close fights, so therefore, you, you wait until the two-minute drill. Look here, baby. We want to come out of halftime and the other team waving the flag. Man, go ahead and send in the third string. Because we ain't going to put up no fight. We just want the clock to run. See, when you experience that in your life, your attitude change. You don't see little small, little, you know, little molehills causing you problems when God done gave you an overwhelming. <laughs> he made you more than a conqueror through Christ who loved us. Now, I like what Paul said in verse 38. He says, and I am convinced. Somebody say convinced. See, some of you all may not be convinced that you got the victory. So therefore, you got to keep on hoping. You got to keep on praying. You got to keep, keep on going on morning, growing. You got to keep on walking around with your sackcloth and ashes on. You got to keep on going through. And you got to look at <laughs> Sooner or later, baby, you got to get through some stuff. Sooner or later, you got to realize that you got the victory over something. You know, crying ain't going to make your situation no better. You might as well cry your last tear and say, God, I know you already ordained for me to, for me to win today. <laughs> Triumph is about attitude. We can't be the same at the end of the year if we're talking about we're going to triumph over themselves. We can't praise the same way we've been praised that we're going to triumph over some stuff. If we're going to have some triumphant praise, y'all going to have to come to church with attitude that, hey, God deserves this. And because he deserves it, I'm going to get him what he deserves because I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Then he gives us a laundry list of things. Say, look here, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, Neither fears of today or worries about tomorrow. Good God Almighty. Your fear of <laughs> your fear of what today holds for you and your worries about what tomorrow gonna bring you 
can't overcome the love that Jesus has for you. So you, that's why he tells her, you shouldn't be worrying about tomorrow. You need to deal with today. Today is the day that you got. Worship me today. Serve me today. Give me what I deserve today. Walk like you're winning today and not trying to figure out if you're going to lose tomorrow. Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Man, COVID done messed up a lot of Christians. I mean, we just don't know which way we're going. Some for a Christian, you know. Now, I do the right things. I wear my mask and all that. But look here, man. I ain't worried about dying from COVID. If I do, I do, but I ain't. I ain't waking up every day, you know, I... You got to go on. You got to, you got, look, you got, that is, COVID is no different than when you go to the doctor and you get a bad report. You can either take that report and let it worry you to death and you die before the diagnosis say you're going to die, or you can say, look here, I got to, I got to go on. I got to keep on living because look here, there's something on the inside of me that let me know I'm going to triumph regardless. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He said, so Paul said, I was convinced. And that's what I got to get. Some of you got to be convinced in your heart and in your mind that nothing can separate you from God's love. He says, verse 39, no power in the sky above. And I don't know what's all in the sky above. We're finding some of everything. They're going out there now, coming back. They're going to come back. And, they, and, and it wouldn't be surprised me if there's, you know, some aliens out there, you know, I just wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. They come back and say, hey, you know, that's some little creatures living up in there. You know what I mean? What am I supposed to do about that? I know who created everything. So if they out there, he created them. And so because I'm on his team, they better be on his team too. And so what I'm trying to tell you, there's so many things that happen around us all the time that we can't explain, and then we accept it, but when it comes to something in this word that we can't explain, then we doubt it. He said, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, he says, nothing. Somebody shout nothing. One of those somebody shout nothing again. Nothing, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. So therefore, we triumph in his love. We triumph because the love that Jesus had for us. Amen? Amen. Now, my last point. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. This is where you got to get it in your heart that you triumph in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You triumph in Jesus' resurrection. Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul strongly believed and was thoroughly convinced that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day. He started off the chapter by talking about that because in this chapter, there were people in the Corinthian church who could not accept this concept of resurrection. 
They could see death and understand death. But Adrian, they couldn't wrap their mind around the resurrection. So because they couldn't, there was this fear that they had of death. And the fear that all those who had died before them would never live And Paul said, if you have that fear, and if that is indeed true, then everything that we preach is in vain. It's a lie. We might as well be doing something else on Sunday. If you got that fear and you got that belief, then all those things that we've been believing that we're going to see this person, this is going to happen, and there is a heaven, you might as well stop saying you don't believe that. You, you don't believe that you believe that there's going to be a resurrection. And so there are some, I believe that just like in the Corinthian church, there are some people in the striving church that got a problem with this resurrection thing. They can't wrap their mind around this resurrection. After all, grandmama gone, and I know where we laid her. And every birthday, I go out there and take a look at grandma. But what Paul was trying to get them to see, that this transaction and this resurrection ain't going to be natural, it's going to be it's going to be spiritual. And what he used in an analogy before I started reading, he said now look here, consider a seed. Can I get y'all to play with me with your imagination just for a moment? I know you still got them. You know what an apple look like. Red delicious apple. You cut it open, inside is a little brown looking seed. Paul said now look here, you take that seed, Wayne, which is natural. You put it in the It dies, break forth, but what comes out of the ground look nothing like what when Wayne, he said, when you die and we put you in the ground, they put me in the ground, we put whoever we're going to put in the ground or we get the ashes. Whatever they look like when they went there, they ain't going to look like it when he said, get up. So if you focus in on something that's finite, you focus in on the wrong thing because what you see in the mirror ain't going to get up. And what get up ain't going to look like what you saw in the... Because what you was looking at was corruptible. And you got to put on... In what you're looking at is flesh, Brother J.P., but what we got to put on is Now, if you can't grasp that, then that means you got a problem with the resurrection. And if you got a problem with the resurrection, you're going to have a problem holding on to your faith when times get tough. So he was trying to convince these Corinthians that, hey, you guys got to hold on to this resurrection concept all the way to the end. Because if you don't, then that means that everything that you're doing is vain and useless. Y'all in verse 54, I encourage y'all to go back and read the whole 15th chapter of Corinthians. It's a powerful chapter, and you're going to need some study help to read this one because Paul get into some things in there that you just can't go wrap your natural mind around. You're going to have to get in the spirit to understand what he was trying to get these folks to see. And that's what we're trying to see today. That is a spiritual realm. Now, we got to understand that you're more spirit than you are flesh. 
See, Adam wasn't nothing but a mound of dirt. Lifeless. Until God said, then he became a living thing. So that lifeless mound of dirt that you are, going to go back to a lifeless mound of dirt. But that part that God said, going to live forever. You got to determine where it's going to live. And death can't overcome that. This is what he was trying to get them to see. Don't look at physical death and think that that's the end of the game. The game is not over just because you die physically because the spirit part of you is going to live on. This physical body don't understand, you know, infinite time. We live in finite. We can see, measure. But your spirit... God, this should have been a Bible study because I, I ain't doing this no justice trying to preach it. But let me just read what I got here, and I hope the Lord open your eyes up. Keep it on to the main point, that we triumph in Christ's resurrection, in Jesus' re- resurrection. Because if he wasn't raised from the dead, then, you know, we can shut down striving and just give away food. I mean, if he wasn't raised from the dead, why are we, why are we going through all this? I mean, you know, getting all up on Sunday morning, all dressed up, you know, just doing all this and coming in here. Praise and clapping. He ain't, he ain't getting up. What y'all doing all that for? We just must turn, turn this into the world's greatest soup kitchen. Take all these chairs out here, bring it in. That's, that's over at the soup restaurant for the Lord. Ain't no need to praise or nothing. You ain't, you ain't getting up, Wayne. We can take this real estate and do something else with it. But I hope you're here because you believe in the resurrection. Because that's the part of our faith that is being attacked. Jesus walking on earth is not being attacked. People admit to you, he walked the earth, we saw him. But when it comes to him being raised from the dead, when they went to the tomb, someone said, hey, they stole his body. They put that lie there thousands of years ago. They stole his body. That's easy for the mind to believe, Major. Ain't no resurrection. They stole the body, man. They went and hid it and dug it it somewhere we couldn't find it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes good sense. Yeah. I know how to steal. I know how people steal. Stealing is a concept that I can relate to. Yeah. But when I say they, no, Mr. Pam, they ain't steal his body. He got up. What? What? He did what? He got her. Now you got to ponder. You got to go through and you got to get there. Let your gears turn. But when I told you they stole it, you said, yeah. Yeah. That's logical. That makes sense. They stole it. But now I tell you he got up, I got to think about that. No, I'm telling you to accept that as truth just like you accept the stolen part. Y'all in verse 54. He says, in verse 54 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Then when our dying bodies, did you know that? That every day you live, you're getting closer to, you're going in the direction of, you ain't going in the direction of being, you know, back to a baby again. You're going in the direction of dying. Can I get an amen on that? 
He said, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never, that are absolute is again, that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled when it says death is swallowed up in victory. How many of us look at death as a victory? We, we come to death and funerals, and we don't sound like it's victory. We sound like it's a loss that we're never going to get over. Instead of saying that somewhere in all of my sorrow, there's a victory that God got. And because that victory is there, even though I'm crying, I understand that this finite body can't live for That's why in verse 55, that's supposed to be a, a celebration verse right there. When he said, oh death, where is your victory? <laughs> you thought you had us when Jesus died on the cross. You thought you had us when they put him in the grave. You thought you had us because Adam fell in the garden and brought death into the world. But I got, I got news for you. <laughs> so he said, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your For sin is the sting that results in death. Death came in the world because of Adam's sin. And the law gives sin its power. And the law reminds us of how bad we were. And so he said, look, here's two things we got to get rid of so you can live in peace. We got to get rid of this law. And we got to get rid of this fear you got to. Y'all ain't got to say it like you're scared. Maybe just shout it. Say death. I mean, just the thought of death. I mean, we're going to be saying, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your I know that's tough. I know it's tough. But Paul was trying to convince some people that the resurrection is true. And he had to use every argument that he could. Because he knew if he couldn't convince them of that, they will walk away from the gospel. They will walk away from someone who loved them in spite of them. He says this, verse 56 again, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. Then in verse 57, sound like we just said in the verse we use as a text, But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. He gives us over, he gives us victory. Somebody shout victory. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. But he's telling us that, hey, look here. Wayne, because you believe that Jesus got up, that ought to give you the encouragement and the strength to keep on walking, following him, because you believe one day you're going to get up. You may not look like little Wayne right now because that body going to decay. But whatever get up is going to be a glorified body that now can live forever. See, what you got now is not prepared to live for. And we trying to take something that is dying every day into a place where you're going to live for. I know this is tough. This is a passage of the Bible that we reserve for funerals. We read this scripture right here most time doing funerals. But ain't nobody dead to here today, physically. 
So this is a celebration, Pastor, to let you understand that, hey, in spite of the fact that death is a part of life, you still got to give God the praise and the glory because Jesus overcame. And because he overcame it, you're a beneficiary of what he did, Cliff. Not what you did, but what he did. Look what he said. But thanks be to God who gives us victory. Somebody shout victory. Somebody shout it like you done won something. Shout it like you really believe that. Thanks be to God who gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ. So then he finished his argument by saying, so my dear brothers and sisters, striving family, Wayne and the gang, my dear brothers and sisters, I just want you to major, be strong. Don't let nothing come in to cause you to doubt what you know about Jesus. Be strong. He ain't talking about physical strength in your body now. He's talking about strength in your be strong in your head and in your mind and allow your spirit to strengthen you so that no matter what people say about Jesus, no matter what people say about the resurrection, no matter what people say about your faith, you're not going to be shaken because you know that the resurrection is real because Jesus got up. And because he got up, I act like I'm going to get up. Amen. We got to act like we're going to get, we can't, look here, if we start living like that, then all we'll be doing is mourning all the people that done gone on before us. You'll never move forward to where God wants you to be until you can believe that one day, everybody who died in the Lord going to live again. Hallelujah! He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Don't be moved by the trials that come in your life. Don't be moved by the troubles that come in your life. Don't be moved by the struggles that come with life. Don't allow that to move you off your position of who Jesus is and what he did for you. Be strong. That sounds like what God told Joshua, don't it? So when I see things like that in the Bible, that means that God is consistent in his word. If he was said back then, he said here, and he's going to say it again in other places, that means that that's something I can build a doctrine on. This thing about being God don't want you to be weak. If he wanted to leave you weak, he wouldn't have sent his spirit back to you. And next week, we're going to take a look at it. Because that spirit is in you, you got to try him. You can't be walking around like you're no loser when you got the most powerful thing in the world on the end. Oh, the world beat me down. Well, I wonder who on the inside of you, why you getting beat. Now, look, <laughs> I'm through yelling at you. I'm just having some fun with this because the Lord just opened my eyes and heart. Of I wish I could have did all, all these verses in 15, man, but I, we'll be here the next week after to dissect all that. Y'all got to read it on your own. So he knew what he said. He used another absolute. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Good God Almighty. You know, he could have just said, always, Adrian, he could have just said, just work. Just always work. I guess there is a difference between working and just working and working enthusiastically. I don't know what enthusiastic work looks like. Y'all gonna have to help me with that. What do y'all think? 
enthusiastic work look like? I mean, just think about it. I mean, what do you think a person who's enthusiastic about the work that they're doing, what they look like? You know, if you look them in the face, do they look like, you know, do you know? <laughs> Major, if I came out there on your job and just looked at you, I can tell after about an hour whether or not you are in enthusiastic about the work you're doing. It's just going to show up. Major ain't. You're up there teaching kids, but you ain't got no in. We're ushering on the door, you ain't got no in. You're the greeter. You got to have something. <laughs> Smile. And you. Sunday again. Got to go in. Who want to be around you? What kind of spirit is on the inside of you when you ain't got no in? Now, how are we going to get the church to catch you on fire when everybody ain't got no enthusiasm? Wayne, somebody got to come in here like, you know, you got, the, you got that little zeal in you, that little pop-pop. You got that little pop-pop. I can tell the difference when you up here. You know, you got that little boom-boom. Boom-boom. And people see that enthusiasm. They fight it. I looked at them. They were fighting a little bit. But if they see that enough, sooner or later, that enthusiasm is going to become con- So look, he says, always. Somebody say always. always. <laughs> Not sometimes. It's Monday. Well, who said Monday got to be a gloomy day? Who told you that? Well, it's Monday, you know, I had a rough week, you know, I didn't want to go in this job today. Major. We got to set the example on Monday morning. We got to set the example. We can't go in on Monday morning, the first day of the work week, and we walk in, again. Another week, when Friday comes. Who's going to want to work with you? Now get this. If that's all enthusiasm you got about Jesus, who's going to want him? You ain't got no excitement about him. And now you want me to come believe that he done got up on the third day and he's seated right here and you don't even act like you're excited about that? And now you're going to try to convince me? So if you're going to talk to this argument to somebody, you better go with something. Acting like you believe what you read and what you've been taught and what the word of God says. You got to start acting like you believe it and believe that everything that you do for the Lord, nothing that you do for him will be in vain. Nothing, Brother Melvin, what you do, whatever you do for him, if you do it with the right attitude, if you do it believing that he was raised from the dead, if you do it that way, it will not be in vain. So often as Christians, we look at what we think people ought to be and what they ought to be doing based on how long they've been saved, and sometimes we can be discouraged because we're thinking that what we're doing is in It ain't changing nobody's life. It ain't about their life, it's about your life. 
It's about when you stand up and you got to know that, hey, the things I do for the Lord will last. And the things that I do for him because Jesus was raised from the dead, those things are going to live forever and they're going to follow me into heaven. And because I believe that, then I can serve him and his people with enthusiasm. If we don't do nothing else from this lesson, man, go ask the Lord to give you that spirit of enthusiasm. Bring that spirit of enthusiasm back again. I know COVID done drains some folks. I'm tired of talking about COVID, but look, bring that spirit of enthusiasm. Even during the time that we're living in, you still have your enthusiasm for the Lord and the fact that you know that even if you die, there's another part of the story that one day you're going to be raised to look like him and not like you, Maker. And that's what we got to triumph in. Man, we can't... It's time out for Wayne for us triumphing housing and cars. Yeah. I got a house, I'm triumphing. Got a car, triumphing. But a drug dealer got a car. Drug dealer got a house. Probably bigger than your house. Got a car probably finding you. He probably driving a car with a B on it. You know, he, he driving a lot. But he don't have any hope for the rather. All he can do is put his faith in something that he can't take Your faith is in something that you have not seen and something that you believe is going to happen even though you don't have no first-hand testimony, Mike. All you got is the truth of God's word and the fact that the Bible says that Jesus was raised. And your spirit got to bear witness with that truth. You got to. You got to. If you can't bear witness with that, you might as well be whatever you want to be. You might as well. Christianity is based upon that principle. If he didn't get up, we might as well just call him the prophet Jesus who left us a great book and we just follow his teaching. He the prophet Jesus. That's easy to sell. You can talk to your people. You know, Jesus is just a great prophet. He wrote some books, read some good stuff. No different than any of these other great prophets. You know, you might want to read a little Aristotle and Socrates. They left some good stuff in writings and books and stuff like that. I mean, we, but when you say he died, that got to be a deal breaker for you. You got to accept that in your heart. I'm through preaching. I just got to, and see, this ain't Eastern I'm talking about this. Normally we wait to Easter to talk about it. Are we talking about it the first part of the year? If you're going to triumph, you got to believe in the resurrection. Amen. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We got several appeals real quick. First appeal is for salvation. If you're online or you're in the house and you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says while we were still sinners, he died for us. So he didn't wait till we got it right. He died while we were still caught up in what we were doing. But he loved us enough to sacrifice himself for us while we were still in the state that we were in. 
And because of that, we know now nothing can separate us from that love. So if that is you and you say, yes, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to walk in that love that you was talking about today because I understand that Jesus died for me. And I want to give my life to him. So please raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you're not saved and you want to be saved, if you're online, I just ask that you send us an instant message. Let us know and we'll get back in touch with you or you give us a call here at 850-862-3899. Amen. My second appeal is for church membership. If you're looking for a church home, a place that you can come and fellowship, whether you fellowship with us online or you come in person, you know, we'll still welcome you into this body. So if that is you and you want to be a part of this family, I ask that you please raise your hand and again just send us an instant message online and just give us a call here at the church and let us know, yes, I would like to be a part of the striving family. I believe that I can grow and I can be challenged to grow to maturity in the Lord and I think that is the place that God wants have me to be. And we can also serve his people in the church and in the community because I believe God will have me to be a part of, of that ministry. So if that is you, please raise your hand if you're in the house. If you're online, please send us an iMessage or instant message. My last appeal is for prayer. And I, we just make a, a ask you to get your hearts and minds set on something that you want to take up to the Lord. Because the Bible said that the veil of the temple has been rent, so you have access to the Father and believe that Jesus intercedes for you. So I ask that you set your heart and your mind on the things that you are concerned about, the things that you want to lift up to God, the things that you will make your petition and your request known to him. Because I believe that when the righteous cry out, the Bible says he would incline his ear down to hear your cry. You may want to intercede for a friend or a family member. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart during this time of prayer, I ask that you just be bold enough to take it to the Lord, believing that you can come boldly before the throne of grace and you can cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that was made for each and every one of us. And God, we realize that because we're your children, you know where we are in life. You know each and every one of us, and you know where we are. And so, God, I just ask that you meet us where we are, God, in this stage, in this phase of our lives. Continue to comfort us. Continue to give us peace. Continue to give us joy. Continue, God, to let us know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus loves us and that nothing can separate us from his love. And God, let us know that beyond the shadow of a doubt that there will be a resurrection of the just. And God, when that day comes, we're going to be part of it. And all those who have accepted your son, Jesus Christ, God, if there's anyone here that's got sickness in their body right now, whatever it may be, we lift it up to you, God. Whatever their concerns or their worries are, God, we cast them all to you because you said take no thought of tomorrow because tomorrow, tomorrow will take care of itself. So, God, we come to say we know who holds our future. We know who holds tomorrow. So, God, we trust you in all areas of our lives because we know that we can trust and depend on you and lean not our own understanding. But if we acknowledge you in all our ways, you will direct our path. And God, we thank you for that right now, for that promise. And we thank you for your word today, God. And we ask that this word would take root in our hearts so that we can triumph, be triumphant in the spirit. Because we know that we are more spirit than we are flesh. And God, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise if you will.